Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Where it says, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so we're looking at different attributes of God during this series and and trying to frame them in a way that a child might think of them or understand them. Trying to reignite, rekindle our own childlike faith. Getting to that sense of awe and wonder once again. And we've talked about God's goodness, that He is for me. Last week we talked about God's presence, that He is with me. And today we're going to talk about God's grace and the fact that He forgives me. And before we get too far down the road, I think it's important for us to clarify certain terms so we have an understanding of what we're talking about. When we say grace, what do we mean? What is grace? One person has defined it as undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. This is reality that this is part of who God is. It's part of His very character that He is gracious, that He shows favor to people like you and me who don't deserve it. That is grace. And God's grace is most profoundly demonstrated in the saving work of Jesus Christ. In His life, in His death and resurrection. Which then enables us to be forgiven. And you might think here this morning, or you might encounter somebody at a later date that says, okay, but why do I need to be forgiven? I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad, right? Like, what's the big deal? Why do I need to be forgiven? Well, here at the gathering, we believe that the Bible is the very Word of God. It's 100% true. It's an inspired Word of God. And it declares, the Bible declares that each one of us have sinned. We've all disobeyed God. We've all chosen to go our own way. In the book of Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We've all done this. Scripture also mentions that there is a penalty for that. A penalty for our sin and our disobedience. Much like in a hockey game, there are rules in the game. If you break the rules, you get a penalty. There's a consequence, right? And when you get the penalty, you can't just say sorry to the referee and not go into the penalty box. You have to serve the penalty, even if you are genuinely apologetic. I didn't mean to do it. Well, in the same way, our sin has a penalty. Our sin has consequence. And it has to be served. However, it's not just two minutes in the box. It's much more severe than that. According to Romans 6.23, the wages of our sin is death. The consequence, the sentence Initially being separated from God and then having this penalty of death is what awaits us for our sins. This is bad news and we don't like to talk about bad news, especially at Christmas time. But we need to hear the bad news. And the really bad news, it gets worse. The really bad news is that we can't do anything on our own 
about this problem. We can't fix this problem. We can't go and say, well, I'm just going to do uh, a whole bunch of good stuff in order to uh, pay for the sin that I did before and kind of even it out. It doesn't work that way. We can't pay for the sin that's already been done. We can't erase it. We have no ability to do that. We can't simply just say sorry without someone paying the penalty. This is why we need to be forgiven. We stand before a holy God sinning, rebelling. But there's good news. And the good news is that God is gracious And He has made a way for us to be forgiven. That He sent His only Son, born of the Virgin Mary, to live the perfect sinless life for us, to then die in our place as a substitute, to stand there, to serve the penalty for us. So that now, anybody, anybody who puts their trust in Jesus Christ, the work that He's done on the cross, can be forgiven. He paid the penalty. Isaiah 53, 6 goes on to say that the Lord has laid on Him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He stood in the gap. It should have been us serving the penalty, but by His grace and and out of His love, God sends His Son and He says, I'll take the penalty. And so we can be forgiven. And so as we talk about God's grace today, we talk about this reality that you can be forgiven. My hope is that everybody here will know. You'll leave here today knowing you can be forgiven. We're going to touch on four aspects of God's forgiveness this morning. We could talk about God's forgiveness for the whole day, but we're just going to focus in on four things. And the first aspect that we're going to talk about is that forgiveness, God's forgiveness, is a gift that we receive. God's forgiveness is a gift we receive. Ephesians 2 8 and 9, it's a familiar passage for a number of people. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. By grace you've been saved. It's a gift, not by works. You can't earn it, you can't pay for a gift. Right? If someone gives you a gift, you can't pay for it. Because if you pay for it, it's no longer a gift. It's something else, but it's not a gift. And we think about Christmas time. If you've got kids or have, were a kid at one point, all of you were, uh, when you received Christmas gifts and, and, you, and then your parents were about to give them to you, they said, now hold on, you've got to give us something first. Or you've got to do this, this, and this in order to pay for this gift or, or do some chores to reimburse us for this gift. Did anybody do that? Do we do that? No, because then it's not actually a true gift. What happens is the kids receive the gifts with with delight and joy and and with thanksgiving. Wow! And that's how we're supposed to receive the forgiveness of God. Really? For me? I don't deserve a gift. But thank you. It's a gift. No one deserves it. You don't deserve it. God's forgiveness. You can't earn God's forgiveness, but He gives it to you anyways. He makes it available to you. Uh, Romans 3, 23 and 24, just kind of to highlight this again. Romans 3, 23, we're probably very familiar with. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then 24, And are justified or declared innocent by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's a gift that we receive. And I wonder 
When the last time was that we just kind of stopped and thought about this gift? It's a busy season. I I just want to challenge you, encourage you, take a moment, even today, some other time, just to sit somewhere and just think about the fact that God sent His Son for you. The greatest gift available, and God has given it for you. He suffered for your sins. He had no sins to pay for. He suffered for your sins and for my sins. And we can be forgiven. Our debt canceled and our relationship with God fully restored. It's in pondering God's grace that people are motivated then to write and sing songs like Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me, right? Because it's actually amazing that this God, this holy God, the creator of the whole universe that we've offended would then come and seek us out. Take the first step. Come for us and make a way for us to be forgiven and welcome back into His family. That's amazing. That's the greatest gift that there is. I don't care what else you happen to get this season. Nothing can top that. And it's all grace. A gift from God. The second aspect of God's forgiveness that we're talking about this morning is that His forgiveness is full and complete. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 provides us with an appropriate image of God's grace in forgiving us. You may be familiar with this passage. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Snow. We've received a good amount of snow this last little while. What? Like, I love snow. I don't know your thoughts. A lot of you are Windsorites and you're like, mm, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm staying inside. I grew up always loving snow. Um, yeah, skiing, sledding, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but as I grew up, as a believer in Jesus, my appreciation for snow changed. Because I look around every single time it snows and there's a visual representation of what God does for us. Just a white blanket covering pure, brilliant white, white as snow. Those sins were like scarlet, now white as snow. So I am suggesting that every believer in Jesus Christ should love snow. Having read Isaiah 1.18, you should love snow. Or at least have a greater appreciation for it. You can hide a little bit in your house and look at it and still like it, but we should love it a little bit more. Nice try, he says. But white as snow, the, the scarlet gone, covered. And, and like the amount of snow that we've just received, it's not just like a little dusting where the grass is still poking through. right? A full dumping... All the sin, complete, right? I, I went with my kids and I jumped in the snow and I did a full-on snow angel, like a child. And, I, and after, we had so much snow that, that you still couldn't see the grass. Even though, I was like, yes, so much snow, so much grace, so much forgiveness, so much white covering our sin. God's forgiveness is not partial. It's not halfway there. He paid the price for our sins of the past, the present, and the future. Fully, sufficient payment has been made. 
And I just want to be clear, we're talking about everything that you have done, everything you have said, everything you have thought, everything you will do, everything you will say, everything you will think has all been paid for. All of it. All of that scarlet, red wickedness that stains and in fact ruins our lives and the lives of others, Jesus paid for it. When He was hanging on that cross, right before He died, He said, it is finished. And you might say, you might have read that and say, what is finished? The work on the cross was finished. The payment was made. And after He said that, He yielded His Spirit and He died. For you and for me. This is grace. And God pours out His grace in abundance. Back to Ephesians in chapter 1. Just another example. Ephesians 1, 7-8. It says, In Him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I love that word lavish and the riches of His grace. Not, again, just not a little sprinkling of grace. A lavishing amount, like too much, over the top, pouring over, fully covering everything, dealing with our sin. I'm not a great singer, but I do love songs. And one of my favorite songs is Before the Throne of God Above. And uh, I just want, the lyrics are going to come up here, and I'm just going to read the lyrics of this song. This is the second verse of the song. It says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see Him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Come on. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. This is the Gospel. This is the good news. This is what we're called to believe and to receive like a child, that there is forgiveness available. That Jesus made an end to all of my sin, your sin. He took care of it. And now we can be free from the penalty of sin. So if you're sitting here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope this encourages you. I hope this refreshes your soul and fires you up a little bit. Jesus really did pay for it all. So you can walk in freedom and not fear. But if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Jesus, I want you to know that God's forgiveness is available for you today. God's forgiveness is available today. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, or how many times you've done whatever, you can come and you can confess your sins to the Lord and receive complete forgiveness today. 1 John 1.9, a popular verse. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to stop and read it again. If we confess our sins, what happens? He's faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be reconciled to God. Your offenses, your sins, your rebellion... All can be pardoned and cleansed from all unrighteousness. All of it. 
All the junk, all the nastiness, all the wickedness, all of it can be cleansed. So why not come to Him in confession? Why not come to Him in faith? This Christmas, this morning, why not? Run to Him like a child, confessing your sins, trusting in His work on your behalf. And what you're going to find, you're going to find that there's gracious, merciful, loving, forgiving arms of God the Father waiting to embrace you as you do so. And welcome you into His family. Confess your sins. Please, don't think that you're too far gone. Don't think that there's, there's no hope for you. I've done too many bad things. If there's breath in your lungs right now, it's not too late for you to confess your sins and come to Him in faith and receive the forgiveness of God. I mean, if you want to talk about people being really far gone, I don't know if you know the story of the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul. This guy was vehemently attacking and persecuting the church of God. He was throwing people in jail. He was seeking them out all over the region. He was approving of their executions. He was making his goal to extinguish all those who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. That's what he was about. And yet, by God's grace... He powerfully encountered Jesus. And his life was forever changed. His, his life changed so much that the early Christians at that time, when they heard that, that he had become a believer, they're like, no, nah, I don't think so. They didn't believe it because he, how could someone so wicked then receive forgiveness? But it was true. And God used this man who used to hunt down Christians. He became the pioneer missionary and church planter of the known world at that time. And God used him to write 13 books of the Bible. Amen. So don't think you're too far gone. I don't know any of, any of you here this morning that make it your goal to destroy churches and put believers in prison. So if you're not doing that, there's a lot more hope for you than there was for Paul. <laughs> and yet Paul, look what happened to Paul. By God's grace, you're not too far gone. And you might, I don't know, you might be thinking, yeah, okay, pastor, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. And you're right. I don't know what you've done. But I know what Jesus has done. And I know that He loves you. And I know that His offer of forgiveness is available for you. And you can be set free. You can be made new. And that can happen today. Even today. So if there's, there's any inkling at all in your heart... I'm just going to urge you to talk to someone about this today. You can talk to me after the service. You can talk to Pastor Garth. You can talk. Maybe you came with somebody. You can talk to someone who brought you here. Talk to somebody. This Christmas could be life-changing because of the grace of God. There's hope for you. The last thing I want to touch on this morning is that God's forgiveness motivates us to forgive. God's forgiveness motivates us to forgive. See, the first three points were dealing with our vertical relationship, the restoration between us and God. That's of first importance. And God did the work to, to, to accomplish that. And we believe it, we receive it as a gift. But then we have our horizontal relationships to worry about and think about. You see, God seems to be a lot more willing to forgive than people. We, we tend to hold grudges. We tend to make it more difficult.
After a 24-hour shift at the fire department, uh, Matt Swatzel was driving home and fell asleep at the wheel. He crashed into another vehicle, taking the life of pregnant mother June Fitzgerald and injuring her 19-month-old daughter. Fitzgerald's husband, a full-time pastor, asked for the man's sentence to be reduced and began meeting with Swatzel for coffee and conversation. When he was asked why he asked for the sentence to be reduced, he simply said, it wasn't an option. If you've been forgiven, then you need to extend forgiveness. Fitzgerald's forgiveness helped create a friendship that is now 11 years strong. The men attend church together and meet together, just the two of them, every two weeks for coffee and conversation. A powerful example of Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that's the key. As God in Christ forgave you. Not forgive one another and muster it all up from inside and convince yourself to be compassionate, convince yourself to be merciful. That's not going to work. Dwell on the forgiveness of God for you in Christ. Think about Him so that when you're tempted not to forgive, when you're tempted to live in bitterness and resentment and even hate, our remedy is to focus on God and the complete forgiveness that we have in Christ and then to extend that forgiveness to other people. I don't know why exactly, but kids seem to get this a lot easier than adults. They just seem to have a an easier way of forgiving one another. Our middle daughter, Noelle, specifically, has an incredible ability to legitimately forgive others, mostly her older sister, and then move on from it. And she may not fully grasp everything that's going on, but she's so quick to say, it's okay, I forgive you. Want to go play trains or color with me? And I watch her and I'm like, I can learn from her. So quick, so easy to forgive. And she, and she like, it's real forgiveness. She doesn't bring it up again. It's covered and she doesn't uncover it. There's been times where I've come home and, and something has happened and, and it was Brandy that dealt with it before I did. And then I said, oh, Noelle, what happened? She's like, it's okay, we already talked about it. She just, she just doesn't bring it up. And I go, wow, we can learn from this. And I'm thinking about Christmas time. It's supposed to be the season of joy and love and peace and hope, but often it's filled with relational strife, discord with family, with friends, with neighbors, with coworkers. I'm not talking to them because last year they did whatever. There's so much pain, there's so much hurt, there's so much brokenness, and there's a, a, a lack of forgiveness that's extended. And I, and I know it's a tough challenge, but can I challenge you to look to God this Christmas season and how much He's forgiven you? He took the initiative, those first steps in showing grace. Why don't we do the same thing? Let's, let's be the people motivated by God's forgiveness to take that first step in extending forgiveness to those who have hurt us. I'm not saying that it's super easy just like that, but I'm just saying it's possible by God's grace. 
we can be the ones to take the first step or flip it around. The people that we know we've offended, for us to take the first step and confess, I'm so sorry, I know that hurt you, will you forgive me and ask them to forgive us? As a church, can we practically live out the gospel by showing grace and truly forgiving one another this Christmas season? God's grace is amazing. His gift of forgiveness is full, complete. It's available today and it's wonderful. And it motivates us to forgive others. Let's celebrate Christmas this year like a child willing to forgive with a renewed wonder the grace of God in Jesus Christ for each one of us. Let's pray together.